Hello and welcome to the journalism.co.uk podcast, a show where we bring you insights from media industry experts to help journalists do their jobs better. I'm your host, Jacob Granger. This week, we're talking about Me Too in the media and how young women journalists can feel more comfortable calling out sexual misconduct in the newsroom. One story rocked the media industry last week. The New York Times revealed the Financial Times had killed a Me Too scoop based on seven women's complaints against a former Guardian columnist, Nick Cohen, who has since resigned. It shows that there is an awful lack of self-scrutiny in the British news industry. We need more accountability, but raising the flag is easier said than done. For young women journalists especially, it's a daunting prospect to call out sexual abuse and harassment in the workplace. We'll hear from two bright young stars of journalism, Shannon McGugan and Faye Minton, Masters Journalism students at Cardiff and Swansea University respectively, and the Editors-in-Chief of Empowered Journalism, a student publication for and by women and non-binary journalists. They're going to tell us how these fresh Me Too concerns impact young women journalists starting out in their careers, and how to make them feel more safe and secure in the newsroom. Stay tuned. Faye and Shannon, welcome to the journalism.co.uk podcast. Thank you both ever so much for coming on to the show. Yeah, thanks for having us. Well, thank you for having us. I understand that um, the creation of Empowered Journalism goes back to a presentation um, led by Kay, Kay Burley at Sky News during the pandemic, where she basically said, listen, we're going through these unprecedented times, document your experiences. Yeah, so in the first lockdown, uh, Kay Burley did a talk, a little workshop online uh, for women who wanted to get into the industry and were feeling a bit stuck because of the pandemic. Um, and she yeah, encouraged them to document their experience because it is something that, you know, we haven't had documented like this before. We've had pandemics, but never in the media age. Um, so in the chat box, a massive group of girls decided they did want to do something. And that's how Empowered was born. Great. Uh, thank, thanks, Faye. And, and Shannon, what has Empowered Journalism been doing ever since then, since your creation? Give us a taste of what the organisation does. Oh, gosh. I mean, we've been going now for three years. And I think myself and Faye have been really lucky. We've kind of been able to carry the torch from people like Laura McGorn, who originally started Empowered. I mean, we obviously write articles and platform non-binary journalists and women and I think that's really important but we also give people an opportunity to get editorial experience which I think is really difficult I remember when I come from a working class background and I remember when I was trying to get into journalism it was so difficult to land a pitch anywhere it was difficult to try and get a job anywhere and I remember just kind of I think it was like six months in I was like oh I'm getting nowhere with this I'm just gonna kind of give in and I was writing for Empowered at the time and luckily a posting came up and that's kind of what kept me going and I feel like being a part of Empowered has really helped me grow as a journalist and has given me so many opportunities and I think it's great that we are also able to kind of give those opportunities back by whether it's allowing the people so difficult to kind of get those opportunities elsewhere. So I think that's the main kind of premise behind what we do. Nice. I'm surprised you two have the time because you're both obviously on master's courses, studying journalism as well. You're, you know, students in the background of doing all of this work, right? Yeah, absolutely. But it's definitely they've helped each other out quite a lot I've understood a lot more on my course because I've been implementing it practically with Empowered and vice versa as well and with Empowered it's nourished my course because 
of not only writing, we're managing a team, we're working with other journalists, we're networking as part of Empowered. Um, and we also, as editors-in-chief, we're doing the marketing, the PR, overseeing social media. So it's really been beneficial. I think this this broadly speaks to the point of the importance of women as role models in journalism and the importance uh, that has for maybe showing that it's possible to have a, you know, a successful career yeah. in the industry. I know, you know, we spoke there about the work that you've been doing at Empowered Journalism. I know from attending one of your brilliant um, virtual events with Victoria Derbyshire um, that she, you know, spoke to your audience about her approach to covering domestic violence in lockdown. And she obviously famously went on BBC News with the with the um, the helpline you know, written on her hand. And that was a really empowering talk, no pun intended. Um, so I can imagine just for women in your position, that must be just so inspiring to have someone like that speaking to you on your platform, showing that this kind of career is possible and having these breakthrough examples. I mean, yeah, we've been really fortunate um, to have so many great women and non-binary journalists come to Empowered and, you know, help us with workshops and talk to our contributors and take that time out of their day because also they're very, you know, (laughs) journalism doesn't really have a work-life balance, unfortunately, so they're very busy people too, so we're always really grateful that they make the time to do that but yeah I mean the Victoria Derbyshire workshop was definitely inspiring but recently we had um, an equality diversity and inclusion workshops with a range of different journalists including Sophie Perry who founded the LGBTQ journalism network and you know other working class journalists journalists with disabilities um So we've kind of had a range, really, and it's been really inspiring and has allowed all of our contributors to feel included in the conversation because it's great to have conversations about women in journalism, but it's so multifaceted. Like, we all come from different backgrounds. Some of us are working class, some of us are ethnic minorities. I think those are also conversations that we should always keep in mind as well because there's those additional barriers beyond just being a woman. I'm a great admirer of Sophie Perry because I'm also queer. Um, But yeah, she gave great insight into kind of what it was like to be an LGBTQ journalist. And I think having those conversations are really important surrounding identity and journalism. Fascinating. And and, and Faye, is there anyone who really inspires you? I would definitely say, uh, we've spoken a lot about her, but Victoria Derbyshire is definitely one of my big inspirations, especially because she's so relatable. Like she's done I'm a Celeb, she's gone and she can... Is that the dream? (laughs) Not necessarily for myself, but I like the fact that, you know, often there's stereotypes of journalists and she seems to break it because she does bring the humanity into it quite a lot. Like a big part of the reason I went into journalism is you see the glamorous like rom-coms where they're in New York City with their coffee and they're like strutting in. And it's not all like that. You can't just be a normal person and you can go in and keep the same values and your personality, but you can be like one of the most recognisable faces and names in the UK. So let's sum up the conversation so far. Role models are important to young women as inspirational figures in the industry, but also lines of support within newsrooms. This is not least because women are less represented in the UK news industry. Recent figures from the NCTJ show that 41% of journalists in the UK are women, a drop since 2016 when this figure was 45%. 
There have, however, been some big breakthroughs during that time, as research by the Reuters Institute shows 40% of UK national newspapers are edited by women, including the likes of The Mirror, Metro and The Sun. But two of those are also the FT and The Guardian. The New York Times last week revealed that the FT editor, a woman, Rula Kalaf, dropped a Me Too story resurfacing concerns about former Guardian columnist Nick Cohen. Despite multiple women willing to go on the record, she deemed that the story wasn't the right fit for the publication. So, as much as it's good to have senior women to lean on or look up to, that does not guarantee culture change or that Me Too stories won't fall through the cracks. So what about ambitious young women in the early embers of their careers? I ask Faye and Shannon what they make of these revelations and what can make them feel more safe in a newsroom. Now unfortunately at this point we had some technical issues on the recording and we lost Faye for the rest of the interview. But in a nutshell she told me that greater diversity in the newsroom would encourage younger women to speak up. But she would still find that reporting sexual misconduct internally to be a daunting experience. The alarming reason for this is that she wouldn't want to become known for making those claims or being seen as a troublemaker. Shannon agrees, but says that the renewed Me Too conversation has not put out her passion for journalism. I don't think it changed anything in terms of my ambition in pursuing a career in journalism. I think once you kind of have that bug for writing and wanting to be a journalist, I think... (laughs) There's a certain type of person that wants to go into a newsroom and have like a, you know, unhealthy work-life balance and like persist for that for years. And I mean, that is a really good thing because journalists do an essential job to society and platform stories and serve audiences. And that's really important. Does it raise concerns? Yes. But were they concerns perhaps I think personally I already had? May yeah, because I think as women we kind of have those concerns every day, not just walking into a newsroom. Um, like for instance, if I go for a run with my dog, I mean I live in kind of okay, uh maybe to people who aren't from Wales it would be considered rural. To me it's considered a town. Normal, yeah. So if I go for a run with my dog, I'm thinking about a range of possibilities about keeping myself safe and kind of always have those kind of thoughts in the back of my mind not necessarily that something will happen to me but those kind of precautions in the back of my mind is is that a post sarah everard kind of feeling or is or was this pre that i would say it was pre that i think i was just kind of raised with quite a cautious mum mm. i've kind of always been that way maybe it's because i come from come from a really small town um but yeah i think Sarah Everard and kind of those situations with the Met Police um, do kind of magnify those feelings and amplify those feelings in everyday because you it's sometimes quite difficult to feel safe in everyday life if you're not in your home around people you trust, I think. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't say it's necessarily just a feeling when you walk into a newsroom as a woman, at least from my perspective, but then I don't feel like I could adequately speak on newsroom culture just because I haven't been actively in newsrooms for years. You know what I mean? I'm with you. What would you need to feel more safe and more secure inside of a newsroom? Diversity definitely would make me feel safer in terms of a newsroom. I'm more, I don't know, not safer, that's the wrong word, comfortable, Um to have people from a similar background to myself. I know that that's probably not always achievable though. 
Um, I think alongside diversity, what would make me feel more comfortable is kind of a real, this sounds so like idealistic to say, but like kind of a robust HR system. And I mean, this is an example of when I went on work experience to the Telegraph, they had really, really great HR team um, that kind of, so we had like an individual person with us who kind of not that anything happened it was a great experience for all of us and everyone at the telegraph was really lovely and took the time to speak to so many of us but we had like an individual HR person that we could talk to whether it was like problem with our hotel or like trains or how we were feeling and it was really nice and it made like going into the newsroom less scary being introduced to other people in the newsroom easier like on that first day so I think having somebody you could kind of speak to as well like having those really strong support systems in place I think is really important the HR support could it have been confidential if you wanted it to be yeah I think so it was it was really good and they were really friendly I felt quite comfortable around them but honestly how comfortable would you be raising the flag in the event of you witnessing or experiencing sexual misconduct in the workplace I do I think it would be a difficult topic to kind of approach as an early career journalist I don't necessarily think we feel like we would have that that kind of authority in the newsroom to be able to flag something up but then there's that kind of I don't know I'd get a big sense of like guilt at the same time so I don't know it's really hard to say unless you're kind of in that situation but I do agree with Faye I think for early career journalists especially that are women it's really difficult to even kind of sometimes input on editorial decisions let alone flag up something so serious so it does feel like a really intimidating task I think. I'm just trying to process that for a moment, Shatman, because it's it's a really, really important point. I think with this New York Times story, though, the that kind of came out by sources speaking to other news organisations, right? So would you potentially speak to journalists off the record at other news organisations about it? I mean, there's so many implications as well, because as Ed, I'm sure, like, I can't even, we have legal conversations at Empowered about, you know, the everyday kind of copyright defamation stuff. I couldn't even imagine being an editor at a bigger publication where there's so much on the line every time you hit that publish button. Um, But I think, I don't, I honestly can't answer that question whether I would go to feels kind of, safe going to other journalists either yeah. I, I don't I don't know what I would do unless I was in the situation this is such a hard position for you mm-hmm. both this is what's striking me is that there's clearly such a climate of fear about pursuing the official channels and clearly such a a culture of fear about going public with it so if this did happen to you what would you do I mean I I, I don't know what would you do at this point? I, I do agree with the sentiment um I think it'd be really difficult to say how exactly I would navigate it unless I was in that kind of situation. I think it's really hard to say what you would do unless, like, because I think you often think you'll react to things one way and when it actually happens to you, it's completely different. I would like to think, though, on my moral compass that I would take 
kind of a public stance and support other women journalists though I think regardless I think don't get me wrong yes it is a scary prospect of perhaps ruining your career but I think you know what it's more important to have integrity as a journalist and if you're just lying to your audience and not even being honest with yourself then what is the point of being a journalist really well listen I I think to be honest I've really learned a lot from this conversation Faye Shannon thanks ever so much for coming on the podcast and doing this I really appreciate your honesty and I really appreciate your insights today thank you thank you there's a lot to take from this episode but here are the top lines Sexual misconduct is an ever-present concern for young women, whether that's going for a dog walk or in the workplace. A newsroom is no different. Young women are reluctant to rock the boat by making complaints about sexual misconduct in journalism because it's a very competitive industry and they want to protect their reputation. Speaking with other journalists on the record is seen equally as potentially career damaging. But these young women have also shown me that there's a real determination out there to uphold better standards in the industry. What they need is strength in numbers. Better diversity, and therefore solidarity, will help them get there. If you've got this far, then you won't want to miss our follow-up episode in a fortnight with the author of the New York Times piece, Jane Bradley, and her core source, Lucy Siegel. Here's a sneak peek ahead of time with Jane. The lesson it taught me was about the importance of like scrutinising your own industry and the devastating, you know, potentially devastating consequences it can have when you don't speak up. You can check out that episode plus all our others on all your usual podcast platforms, SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple Podcasts by searching and subscribing to the Journalism Book UK podcast. But that's all we have time for this week. I've been your host, Jacob Granger. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.